0: Just check the clock, and you already know what time it is. Tune in to Talk To Me, Tala T. It's real, uncensored, uncut. Let's get it.
1: Y'all already know who the fuck it is, man. It's Talk To Me, Tyler T. (laughs) Check, 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 check. You are now tuned in to Talk To Me, Tala T, with the one and only Tyler T. So today, guys, I got a special guest in the building with me. Um, I'm going to let her introduce herself, and then we're going to get on with the show.
0: Perfect. Well, my name is Maria Powell. I am a mobility specialist, a 500 hour plus trained yoga instructor. I'm also a yoga teacher, trainer, and educator. Uh, I also have a certification in Ayurvedic wellness and nutrition lifestyle counseling on top of also being in a master's program for neuropsychology. So that is my
1: accolades. Okay. Okay. Yeah, um, yeah. So let's talk about how you got into the fitness profession um, and just how everything came about.
0: Yeah. So as far as the me getting into the fitness profession, I started and lived my life as an athlete and a dancer. And when I stopped playing sports and started to push more into my undergrad major, which is athletic training, it turned into how do I continue to move my body without having the uh, implied discipline, the direct discipline or the force discipline of being on an athletic team. Mm -hmm. Um, And then that kind of took the toll into what is it that athletes need, what that our body needs, those holes that need to be filled. And then that's where I started to dig deeper into the fitness industry and go down that rabbit hole.
1: Okay, okay. Uh same with me too honestly like when I got into fitness I was mostly I was an athlete I played basketball and so I was like okay mm-hmm. how can I continue to stay healthy and continue to be mobile and take care of my body um without playing sports because it's hard especially absolutely. You're, like,
2: absolutely
1: you're in sports for so long and this is something that you grow like a love for over time and you like damn it's kind of been taken away from me or i've been removed from this So, how do i right keep this body type that i like without mm-hmm. being involved in the game so or the activity so i definitely understand what you're saying so um what what made you kind of go, go the athletic training route in undergrad because i was athletic training um in undergrad too but i changed over <clears throat>
0: The reason I went into athletic training, quite honestly, was because the first person who made the first real big impact on my life, as far as showing care and what quality health actually looked like, was my school athletic trainer. Okay. He stepped in. So I was 15 and about to turn 16. I had both my shoulders done for bilateral shoulder surgery for multidirectional. Oh, wow. It took forever for me to fully recover from that because of the fact that no one was listening. Mm -hmm. No one was listening and putting it from start to finish. And as a kid, I didn't have the language to describe what was going on in my body. I didn't have the experience to know how to speak to what was happening. And the first person that became an advocate for my voice and for my experience was my athletic trainer. And that role, as, that an athletic trainer plays, is so vital for that specific purpose. Being an advocate athlete and their quality of life, and their functioning wellness, over the outcome of a sports team. Okay. So that, for me, is what draw it was what drew me to becoming an athletic trainer and to studying athletic training.
1: Okay. So um, once you finish your undergrad degree. Let's talk about the segue like into your career path as far, and you said you do uh, functional movement. Is that what you said?
0: Yeah, so functional ability,
1: absolutely, yeah. So let's talk about that. So,
0: Yeah, so once I got out of uh, undergrad, I was like, is athlete what I wanna do? There's just so many limitations. The profession isn't respect, especially as a woman and making those breakthroughs in a male dominated sports industry. So, I was like, how can I do more? How can I push farther to really make a difference in this? And that's where I started stepping into Ayurvedic wellness and functional mobility and yoga. The reason I stepped into functional mobility is because not everybody is ready for the spirituality that comes with yoga.
1: True. Very true.
0: And then, and then on that a lot of people and within a capitalistic society a lot of the true spirituality and philosophy of yoga has been absolutely stripped Mm -hmm. from yoga so it makes more sense to separate it step into functional mobility now functional mobility as at its biggest point here let me give you one
2: okay (laughs) Second, second
0: so functional mobility um the reason it makes it, it's a really niche market and the reason that is is because everybody loves to say that they are a mobility trainer or when you have a client that talks about oh I'm, I'm working out I'm doing all these things but I need to be more flexible mm-hmm. right the first thing that everyone says is oh you should go do yoga and the problem with thats that is that Yoga is not about flexibility, and a lot of the actual activation and truly being in a posture has been lost because people are like, "Oh, just hang in this pose." Oh, just yes. stick your leg here. And when we talk about functional mobility, we're talking about di- full range dynamic motion. Yes. From start to finish. Hmm. We're not just t- talking about bending over and touching your toes. We're not t- just talking about doing a pec stretch and hanging out here. Yeah, We are talking about using the full range of your muscles actual act- ab- ac- actual ability to be active
1: mm-hmm.
0: and strong through a full range of motion because f- flexibility and mobility are not the same thing. Not at all. And that's a huge misconception. So when I talk about functional b- mobility, I mean it.
1: And I can tell you're passionate about it. That's when, even when we were having that conversation, uh, when we Mm -hmm. were at the pool that day for Paige's birthday, I was like, oh yeah, we got to run this back because uh, (laughs) this, this needs to be heard by everybody. So yeah, you can go ahead and continue though.
0: Yeah, and I think one of the biggest misconceptions is that if you're going to do functional mobility training or step into that sector of training at all, that you already have to have a certain amount of mobility and mm-hmm. that's just not true if that were the case then nobody would ever lift weights nobody would ever go for runs nobody would ever attempt anything if they already have those inherent skills mm-hmm. and so we step into and the other misconception about mobility training is that it is going to be like this relaxing experience like getting a massage or getting somebody to stretch you out baby no I always laugh when I get my clients for the first time and they're like why am I sweating why am I so tired why is this so hard yeah and the other part of that is is because one we're forcing you to slow down we're not asking you to do plyometrics we're not asking you to do uh power and power kind of sets and really explosive movements, we're asking you to slow down, become really intentional and conscious of the movements and the range of motions that you're creating to really be present with what your body is doing. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of times as athletes, we are not conditioned to think about our movement, right? Mm -hmm. Like in any sport, you are trained to already have a response or reaction. That muscle memory is your biggest thing that you hold on to because you're like, if I can condition and train to already know what move or what what, uh, technique I need to use when an opponent comes to me, then I'm good.
1: One step ahead of that person.
0: Exactly, but if I have to sit here and think about what I need to do, then I'm going to get beat. And while that is a incredibly effective method for being a successful athlete, it is also an incredibly uh, an incredibly successful method to training somebody to have an unconscious mind
2: mm-hmm.
0: outside of the athletic sport.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And then the other piece of that is, is athletes by culture, not necessarily by discipline, but by culture of athletics, we are trained to ignore our pains and what our body tells us about what we're going through. Right. Like, especially I saw this a lot in football and soccer predominantly where my two biggest sports where I saw it uh, when I was working with them is if something happens to you, if pain happens, shut up and keep it pushing. If you have to uh, cry about your injuries, then you're not going to be on the field. And that was an area where it took a whole nother level of rehabilitating some of these athletes because they wouldn't even be comfortable speaking to what was happening in their body because they couldn't even identify after a while, is this pain? Is this a burning sensation? Is this a tension sensation? How can you describe what's going on in your body because they are so removed from their body? So, when we talk about stepping back into things like functional mobility and even yoga at the depth of its core, is that consciousness, that intention, that mindfulness of everything that you do. And when you reconnect that body and mind, what opens for you is so much more of an ability to live a quality life, not just a fit life.
1: Most definitely. Um, Because the average person, like you said, uh, is not aware of any of those movements of what they need to be doing, and the average person is very deconditioned because a lot of a lot of people sit down um, for eight to ten hours a day, Correct. if longer, at their desk at their job, and they're not moving, which creates terrible hips, uh, create Awful. low back pain, uh, posture problems, um, mm-hmm. feet problems. And it's just because everything really starts at the base, which is at your feet. And so if you have bad Mm -hmm. feet, it goes straight up the kinetic chain and everything else starts to become bad as well. Mm -hmm. So I was like, damn, okay, well, what do I need to start? What do I need to do? Do I just need to work out? Do I just need to run? But you can't even get into a squat position and go to 90 degrees. You Mm -hmm. can't even put your hands above your head because your shoulders are terrible. You have upper cross syndrome. Right. Uh, yeah. I, I'm i getting more into functional mobility as well, because as, I'm a personal trainer and I work at Lifetime. Right. So I see a bunch of people. It's not just, oh, I see athletes. I see athletes. Right. I see young kids. I see people that are 70 plus. And so it's like, they're like, oh, I want to lose weight. I want to do this. Well, it's like, okay, well, let me put you through this, through this screening, through this consultation and see like what your body is capable of doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've seen so much in the past, what, two months that I've been working here. Right. People who are, whose flexibility is like one out of 10.
0: Yeah.
1: And it's just like, okay, how, well, we offer a lot at Lifetime, but it's just like, who can I put you with that can, that can help you the most? I can obviously help you with the weight loss, with the strength training, with athletic uh, performance, stuff like that. But you need more than that because absolutely, if you don't have this and you're, and you're training to, you won't be able to perform to the top, to the, what am I trying to say? To your best, to the best of your ability because your body is lacking in so many places. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah. And it's
0: frustrating, I think, working with so many varying degrees mm-hmm. of clients because, like you said, most adults right now are living a sedentary lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And then you have kids that are conditioned to be sedentary by being in a desk at a school for eight hours a day. Mm -hmm. And then we adhere one. The thing about the fitness industry that drives me absolutely mad is that we adhere a specific uh, theory or dogma style of training to all people. Exactly. And it, it cannot be that, it absolutely cannot be that. And it, it's hilarious to me because people in the, the fitness industry will so much so be so anti-Western medicine. The Western medicine system, it just treats everybody the same, it fails people, they don't use diet, they don't use exercise. And then what do we do? We go and we suggest the same type of diet and exercise for every you single body. person that hey. we see. Not not considering their age, not considering the season of life that they're in, not considering the season of the year that they're specifically training in, not considering regional diet, seasonal diet. What are your actual goals? What does your life outside of this look like? What do you have the capacity to even add to your life in order to change your lifestyle? Mm-hmm. Right? Like,
1: underlying health conditions
0: exactly what are you up against what hurdles do you have to face yeah and then when we look at how we train kids kids are starting to train younger and younger and younger
1: i train a six year old Mm Mm-hmm. for yeah not not even for athletic performance but for weight loss and i'm trying to tell i tell his mother all the time like it's his diet Mm -hmm. Is his diet, or he may have a condition that you don't know about that's causing him to put to have this way. But I'm like he's six, so if you're feeding him a bunch of processed foods, a bunch of stuff in a bag, uh, a bunch of fried foods, a bunch of fast food, like he's gonna pick up that weight. But I'm like he's six, so yeah, all you gotta do is let him run out, run around outside, and but exactly what you're feeding. And then two, go ahead,
0: hundred percent. Oh, sorry. But it's also the period of, how are you parenting your child on top of what you're feeding them? When you're, because you as a parent, you have to work. You have to make sure that all of your adult type of duties are taken care of. You have to make sure that bills are paid, that the house is clean, that errands are run. So how much time do you actually have to care for your child, to give your child time and affection, or do you just give your kid a tablet Mm -hmm. or pop them down in front of the tv instead because you don't have the time and that's not to shame a parent but it's to bring awareness to this is the life we're living and the system is failing you as a parent Mm -hmm. so you inherently in multiple ways have to then fail your child and what's the first thing that you're going to notice where a child gets failed is their health
1: yep yep definitely true um because you know people don't understand how much and how important actual parenting is because they really don't know the true definition of parenting or being a parent they just think oh I have a kid I put clothes on his back I take care of him I make sure he doesn't come for anything like I'm a good parent and it's like no not really um I ain't gonna say not really but it's like kids need time kids need patience kids need attention and kids want to connection Yeah. Kids want to know why. Kids want to know in general.
0: That is the piece. And and to your point, think about what's going to happen to that six year old. Right. Think about his relationship to to movement, his relationship to working out, his relationship to a healthy lifestyle when he gets older. And the reason that his mom started him working out was because she thought he was fat.
1: He thought he was fat.
0: Where did that idea come from?
1: kids bullying him in the, in the camp at Lifetime, calling him fat, calling him Tubby, calling him this, calling him that. So. It, and but I, that
0: ingrained nature, that ingrained, mm-hmm. that kids don't just learn like fat is bad, right? That is something we're taught.
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: so when you have all of these people, and I know that his mom probably thinks like she's doing the best thing for him by enrolling him in this, but this is another place where I'm saying the fitness industry and our, our way of training different types of people fails people. When kids are introduced to fitness, I am a firm believer in the philosophy that kids should be allowed to play, to explore. Like there is, I cannot remember the name of the person right now, but I I am a big fan of his work where how he trains kids is he sets up obstacle courses out of gym equipment all through the gym and he will just bring groups of kids in and he'll be like, the floor is lava. Get to one, like you got to get around this course and he'll tell them specific things like a weight bench. You have to start on top of the weight bench and your arms have to be wrapped around it. Your legs have to be wrapped around it. And you've got to go under the weight bench and come back on top of the weight bench without touching the floor.
2: Mm -hmm. So
0: you're teaching these kids about proprioception You're allowing kids to be exploratory and you're allowing movement to be playful. You're allowing them to find reward and satisfaction in themselves just by allowing them the ability to play instead of being like, here's squats, here's uh, an overhead snatch. Like it it doesn't make any sense to put kids in a, a perspective that doesn't allow them to explore when they're in an exploratory stage of their life.
1: And that, to my, to your point, that's exactly what I was going to say, because that's exactly how I started to train him, because I was that's like, beautiful. I've never trained a six-year-old before, but I know, I've been a kid before, so I, right. was, I know when I was six years old, I maybe I saw my my grandma or somebody lifting weights, and then, you know, I tried it for a little bit, and I was like, okay, I'm ready to do something else. So it was like, okay, right. how can I make this fun for him? So he came in, and he was like, well, I want to race. So I was Ooh, like, okay, okay baby that's cool so if you want to race i'll let you make up the first race um we do what you want to do and then i'll make up the second race and then we just go on like because i'm training him for an hour so i'm run, he's running me today I'm high, I'm high, just like so he was like okay now i want to i want to get on the i want to get on the rower i'm like if that's what you want to do i can show you how to row." but like you know what i'm saying if, if you find fun Ooh. in that like that's cool like i wanted to make right sure that he was having fun because that's what's going to keep him coming back. He's exactly. not going to come back if I'm just, oh, well, you got to do this ladder. You got to pick up this medicine ball. You got mm-hmm. to roll it and you got to do this. And you got to do that because ultimately kids want to have fun. That's why kids start to play sports because they get to bond with their friends and they get to have fun. Right. So, right. yeah, that's, that's what I was getting at with him. Um, And he enjoyed it. Uh, he loves me to death every time I see him. <laughs> oh my God, mom, show Tyler what we did today at the park and blah, blah, blah. So he's a we good love kid. Um, we love yeah, it. And I'm, I'm about to get into training his mother as well. Uh, So let's just talk about, um, let's just go into how important um women are in the fitness mm. industry.
0: Ooh, how deep do you want to go with this? Because we can go.
1: As, <laughs> as, as, deep, as deep as you want to go, Um, because I work with... uh. I work with a lot of women who are personal trainers, Pilates instructors, yogas and yoga instructors, small group training mm-hmm. class instructors, um, and I pick their brain and just try to see how they got into the fitness industry, what barriers they had to overcome, how they were treated mm-hmm. with uh, being in the industry, being in a, especially with personal training, a male-dominated industry, um, and just so forth and so on. So yeah, you can just uh, start where you want to start. There's no, there's no real. Uh, real starting point or stopping point
0: well i'll say it like this because this is the only way right now like there's a lot of nuance to everything mm-hmm. but when i look at women in the fitness industry i look at two roles that women can take
2: mm-hmm.
0: right it's either one you are breaking through barriers in the standard of you want to be right up there on the same pedestal with men Mm-hmm right? You want to be seen at the same equality as men. You want to have the same access to all opportunities as men. Um, And then you also want to make it safe for other women in training facilities because let's be honest, what a lot of times when women are in either in the gym or they're working out with a personal trainer, there is always the factor of women that we always have to think about our safety because, we the fitness industry let's call it what it is has a lot of predatory issues oh yeah whether you are working in it whether you are a client in it it doesn't matter right but within that sector it also has its cons because as women try to break through that barrier you're essentially trying to break into the good old boys club
2: Mm -hmm.
0: right so there's a lot of you have to there, repress in yourself, ignore, push past when you get comments, stigmas, rules put against you as a woman that men don't have, right? So when we talk about one thing that I've always had to deal with in the fitness industry, especially when working with athletes, is women will get sa- women personal trainers will get sat down in the athletic industry and be talked about, uh, get talkings to saying you can't date the athletes, you can't mess around with the athletes, you can't cross these lines and barriers, whoop, whoop, doo, whoop, 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 right? Yeah. There is never a discussion with the athlete of, do not be inappropriate with the trainers, respect the trainers, like that type of thing, that doesn't happen. All of the oneness gets put on women. Mm-hmm. Those conversations also do not get had with male personal trainers of, if you have a female athlete, don't fraternize with her.
2: This is true. Women
0: get that, right? And so then there becomes all of this extra pressure of you have to cover your body in a certain way. You have to hide who you are as a woman to make sure that you are not a temptation or a liability, right? And then there's also this narrative of you almost have to align your mind as a woman with misogyny in order to be successful you have to deny a part of who you are as a woman to be successful and align yourself with patriarchy and male uh standards of success in order to be successful right so you may get to these accolades as a woman at, uh, in a line of success in the fitness industry but what did it cost you as a woman to get there
1: yeah it co- it, it really cost you who you are in a sense because right you're taking away from Who you are to perform at the highest level that you want to. And it's like, damn, why do I have to deal with this? And even to even to your point when you were saying about how women dress, covering up their body, I can't tell you how many women I see that come into lifetime with jackets tied around their waist as they work out, Um, big t-shirts, because it's not and it's not because they don't, they don't wanna, they don't wanna wear, oh, I'm gonna wear this cute little sport set that I got from such and such. It's like these men that come in here. They say little slick comments and they talk right. to me in any type of, any type of way. And I don't want to deal with that. But then you have men, you have men who can come in and wear a cutoff shirt or wear or the, no the smallest shorts ever. Uh, and I, I'm guilty of it. You know, I wear a cutoff shirt, right. small shorts and, you know, whatever. But it's just like, I'm not in y'all's shoes to really experience what y'all are experiencing yeah women hit on me um it's like oh you this oh you that maybe a little touch here and there but it's just like shit that's kind of something that you expect or you brush off especially if the woman is cute now or you think that she's attractive now if it's the other way around and you don't think so you like oh I feel kind of violated like why you touching
0: me right but I will say I am a big person of I don't care if you're man or woman somebody consenting like consent is necessary, man or woman. Somebody shouldn't touch your body if you didn't consent to them touching your body. Mm-hmm. And there is there is also a big, there's a big line between complimenting somebody and just being a creep. Yeah. There is a huge line and, and people love to argue that down. Now I will, in that sector of those types of women that I was talking about, there is also like, like I also said a lot of nuance, right? Mm-hmm. So then there's the other side of that side where sex sells. Oh yeah. You have to, and you have to choose as a woman, either you're going to go the route that a lot of women go where it's like, I'm just going to be seen for my intelligence. So I have to hide my womanly body. I have to f- hide my figure in whatever way it is so that people can only respect me for my actual intelligence. right? Then there's the other side of that where it's like sex sells. So I'm going to wear the cute outfits. I'm not going to hide my body. I'm going to embrace my body. But then it becomes, you're only going to go as, as far as sex will tell you.
1: Exactly.
0: Right? And in a male-dominated industry, if you do that, you're always going to hit this, this line where men won't see you past your body and they will never respect your intelligence because you could be the most intelligent woman in the world have a banging body and accept all of who you are but in the male-dominated industry where patriarchy rules supreme you're not going to get past a certain point so you then you have to stay in that niche market and how long will that niche market serve you Mm -hmm. and then you have the other side where I like to say that I dwell now in my career which is Man, if we go if we're gonna talk about fitness and we're gonna talk about wellness as a woman, then we are going to decolonize, we are going to be anti-misogyny, we are going to be anti-patriarchy, we're gonna start teaching people to move to, to move to feel their to feed their spirit, to feed their life, and not to feed an aesthetic.
1: I can fuck with that. Big time. You feel me? Yeah, because
0: there's so much especially in this sex cells type of slot, there's so much that we sacrifice in order for our body to look good, but your body isn't healthy mm-hmm. and neither is your mind because we're perpetuating this idea that you have to have a certain aesthetic in order to be seen as beautiful, to be seen as fit, to be seen as worthy. And then in actuality, those women have such low body fat that they haven't had their period in God knows how long. They're extremely dehydrated. Their gut microbiome is shot because all they're eating is chicken, broccoli, and rice every single day. And then they say, well, I drink a skinny margarita, so I'm Gucci.
1: No, baby. Charlie, <laughs> you
0: are sad. Yeah, you are this sad.
1: Is a wild- you need some variety in that diet. You, yeah, need to find, I, you need to find inner happiness within, you know what I'm saying? like because it.
0: And that stretches across for men too.
1: Yeah. Hey. It
0: stretches way across for men because, and I love that we're finally getting to the the discussion that as women are starting to push this, push back against this narrative and fitness that I have to look a certain way, I have to act a certain way, I have to train a certain way, right? In order to be seen as healthy. Now that that's happening, it's starting to challenge the male narrative of what is a healthy male
1: oh yeah because I because the the basis of a personal trainer from a lot of a lot of people is oh if you're not buff and wear tight-fitting shirts then why are you a how are you a trainer because I get that all the time oh you're not even big you a trainer mm-hmm. oh, is not, you a trainer but when I show them like oh I'm able to move I'm able to teach you some movements that you never knew that your body should is supposed to be doing and I'm able to right. tell you that, oh, just because you look a certain way does not mean that you're healthy. Or just because you don't right. look a certain way does not mean that you're unhealthy. Right. And so it's really a lot of education that goes into being a personal trainer or a fitness professional in general. And a lot of people just think, oh, it's working out and looking good. Like, see, people bond their bodies now more than ever. Uh, which oh, Lord Jesus. A whole different, which is a whole nother conversation. Uh, yeah. It makes me sick to my stomach. Because it's just like, y'all doing right the, the main reason is y'all are buying these bodies, getting these BBLs, going under this knife. And y'all are keeping the same habits that y'all had prior to surgery. And y'all are taking that into this new body, into this new life. And what you're just changing aesthetically. You're not changing on the inside. And the inside is what matters because that's what's going to keep you alive.
0: Right. And then we talk about, and I think to your point of education is one of the biggest things in the fitness profession, Mm -hmm. right? And I think when we talk about education being one of the biggest things, we need to talk about how broad that spectrum of education actually needs to be, right? Because you can take certain certifications and you can fly by with a bare minimum and become a personal trainer and never really take any more deep dives into science and you can still make money, Mm -hmm. right? you can then go and become the next step of I'm going to continue to take really difficult certifications, I'm going to continue to do everything evidence-based, stay up with the most prevalent scientific data, and, you know, continue to evolve as a performance coach. Great, I love that. The thing that we constantly miss, though, are the social components and the cultural components that impact performance training, right? So, With that being the case, why are we not paying attention to the standards that society and culture put into play on what is healthy? What is fit? What is a man versus what is a woman? And when we look at all of the pressures that men have been up against, because we are in a male road society, they just start to dwindle down and affect everybody else. So when we really talk about the pressures that are up, that men are put under, those are put in place by other men. Mm -hmm. So when you look at, well, Tyler, you're so little, you're so, you, you don't have a lot of mass on you. Women aren't saying that.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Coming up to you and saying that. And so I love that there's all these talks on social media now talking about the pressure for men to be big, the pressure for men to appear a certain way is put on by other men. And so it's not women's demand for men to look a certain way, it is men's demand for men to look a certain way. And then because men demand themselves to look a certain way, they then demand women to look a, look and feel a certain way. Exactly. So then women try to keep up with that patriarchal narrative and that's not it. And so I am I'm the type of person because I step into social activism and everything that I do and I know that you are really starting to dig into yours as well. but it's the thing of if what you're doing is not at the same time being used to liberate people because liberation is also a part of wellness. Mm -hmm. If you do not free yourself from the constraints uh, or from the confines that society has put on you, whether it is scientifically based or just culturally based, you will never fully be well. Your body may look a certain way, but you will never fully have wellness
1: because wellness is holistic.
0: Exactly. So if your mind isn't free, you're not living a lifestyle that allows you to truly be in tune with not just the way that your community works, but the way that the world turns, and you're not actively moving your body in some type of way that works for you, then you are not well. And that's what it comes down to. Stop putting people in boxes and saying, this person's fit, so you're not. Mm -hmm. Stop adhering to standards that were inherently made with a bias against people of color and women and cultures outside of the Western world. Stop adhering to beauty standards that are completely Eurocentric or only of United States capacity and understand that until you break down those barriers and look at each individual person and say, how can I make your life well and whole, then you're not helping people.
1: Bingo. And that's what, that's what I try to get a lot of my clients to understand, especially because of the way that lifetime does things. It's a big corporate gym, um, which is cool as, as far as me being like me starting my career, uh, in right. fitness um but I, I ultimately know what i want to do like is, as my long-term goal and this is kind of just a starting point i want to be like right. a, like a strength and conditioning coach for for um younger athletes um just so they can get a good baseline of what they're supposed to do because a lot of high school coaches don't really know what they're doing their job is to coach you in right. sport not to coach you in Weightlifting and wellness and health and so forth and so on. So they get the two confused and they just think, oh, when I was younger and I played football, our coach made us squat. math he made us max out on Mm -hmm. squat. He made us max out on, and we were just fine. And it's like, oh, nigga, that's why you got shoulder issues. That's why your back. Hundred percent. Because you was doing all this shit that your coach was telling you to do, and he didn't know what the hell he was talking about. So now, right? His
0: coach told him the same thing.
1: Exactly. So now I want to pour into the youth. Um, try to open up my own facility to where they can come in and do those things with me, and I can teach them the foundation, the proper mechanics. So when they go on and go to higher levels or whatever, continue their health and wellness without sports, they're like, okay, well, I was taught properly by a coach who actually knows what the hell he's doing, what the hell, and knows what the hell he's talking about. And I a can coach help.
0: that cares
1: exactly i can help myself and i can help others as well so yeah that's that's my
0: that's mind. that communal mindset right that's that this is bigger than me and to your point of working with these large uh, industry based wellness facilities mm-hmm. is capitalism kills everything at some point
1: oh man i'm i'm exper- i'm already looking at that now i'm already experiencing that now with two months it's always two months in being there it's always oh we need you to your your goal isn't met this month or we need you Mm -hmm. to sell these supplements or we need you to do this or we need you to do that and it's always money-based or what's Mm -hmm. helping the company be kept up to its highest value or what have you and that's like damn I'm just trying to I'm just trying to help people at the end of the day. I don't really give a damn about selling those supplements. Like, oh yeah, Yeah. people need need protein. People may need some greens. People may need some- But you know what they
0: also need? They need to eat food that has those supplements in them already. Exactly. That's Okay, so I'm going to talk about this from a perspective that absolutely shifted my entire mind when I really started learning about it, right? So I grew up in a typical Midwestern family- Where everyone was an athlete, but what were we eating because we were a big family? Frozen pizzas, pizza rolls, stuff when parents weren't around that you could quick throw in, cereals, Pop Tarts. Mm -hmm. We ate dinner together every night as a family, but what wasn't nine times out of 10? Hamburger helpers, spaghetti, just throwing stuff together. So there was never really nutrition, right? And seasonal eating was never a part of our lifestyle, nor was cooking together. That wasn't something that was taught as something. That, we, that is communal,
2: mm-hmm. that is
0: medicine first, right? So when I studied Ayurvedic medicine, and for those people that don't know what Ayurvedic medicine is, Ayurvedic medicine is the sister science to yoga. It is over 5,000 years old. It is very similar on the timeline to Chinese medicine. But what it is, is it's also this way of teaching you how to live your health right so we have this thing called dinacharya and what that means is it means living in your lifestyle routine essentially that's mm-hmm. what it boils down to so when we talk about seasons of the year in the fall when things start getting drier and colder and starts to slow down you start to look at the food that's available regionally right so you've got now squashes are available stone fruits are available right? So if those are the case, and that's what's growing in your region, why are you eating pineapples? Exactly. Why are you eating a bunch of cold, stale, lifeless fruit, or food, you should be eating the food that's growing during that season and is specific to your region. And if the outside of the world is getting cold and dry, you need to be eating things that are warm and filling your fire with uh, with or filling your belly with fire to keep you going and and continue to warm your system and keep things flowing so they're not stagnating. When we talk about pairing that with what you're doing physically, that's when you would, in the yogic terms, practice more heating practices of yoga, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: right? And then you talk about in the opposite end, in the summer, okay, what types of things are growing in the summer? watermelons, cucumbers, things that have water in them that are cooling, cilantro, things that are going to calm and cool your system while the outside world is hot. And then what do your yoga practice needs need to look like? They need to look like they're slower. They need to look like they're reducing your heat, that they're calming the inflammation in the body. So That's the way that it's taught. It's not a lifestyle. When you're cooking in these nutritional spaces in Ayurveda, your food is your first medicine. Exactly. The spices that you throw in your food directly complement what your body needs. And that doesn't mean that you need to be the person that's like, food is not for uh, enjoyment, food is fuel. No, Brad, we're not talking about food in the frat sense. Okay, We're not talking about muscles and gains. We're talking about learning to live your life in a way where whatever you use to nourish you is intentional. Whatever you put in your body is intentional. Whatever you allow your body to do is intentional. And when you have these types of values, it's not about, oh, I'm going on a diet. It's I'm living my life. Yes. And when you live your life that way, that's when you get your kids in the kitchen with you mm-hmm. and you teach them how to do this. When you go and move your body, that's why you see people in Hindu cultures or people in traditional Indian cultures outside of Hindu and Muslim and Buddhism talking about uh, yoga is a lifestyle for me. It's not a, it's not something I do for fitness. I've been doing yoga since the day I was born with my family. Yes, because it's an intentional part of your lifestyle. Mm -hmm. So when we, as people break this cycle of, oh, I'm going on a diet or I'm doing this fitness fad, or I'm doing, doing this, when we talk about people need to change their lifestyle, but we're only telling them to work out three times a week and eat chicken broccoli and rice you're not telling people to change their lifestyle you're telling people to adhere to a fad so if you want people to change their lifestyle you literally have to uproot what they know as life and show them a different way to live
1: and everybody isn't capable of teaching that
0: nope and our fitness industry doesn't promote learning that either
1: no it just promotes you give me the money I'll give you the results if you come in capitalism <laughs> yeah so um, that that's something that everybody needs to adhere to everybody is in support just because you know how to work out and how to lift doesn't mean you need to be a personal trainer or teach that to somebody else because you really don't know you just know what works for you and you know how to do mm-hmm. stuff for you you really don't know what helps other people and how to get them to they, to where they want to be, especially because nutrition is like 80% of this shit. And if your nutrition mm-hmm. is off or it lacks, then you're not going to see the results you want. You're not going to feel how you should feel or how you want to feel because you're not putting the proper nutrients in your body. And I got, I, I get people so often nurses, doctors, Oh, I smoke. I'm like, you smoke, but you're a nurse, you're a doctor. You don't mm-hmm. eat vegetables and you don't drink water. Mm-hmm. But you? Well, want- I
0: don't have the time or I'm too stressed. Absolutely.
1: But you 100% you, to- you are. 15 pounds. How do you expect to do that? Like, if you want to give me your money and you want me to work you out, like, that's cool. But I actually want to help you um, mm-hmm. get to where you are, get to where you want to be and to actually feel better because that's what, that's what what that's what it really boils down to, how good that you feel. Not how good that you look, how good you look, because you can you can look some you can look good as hell and feel terrible. Right. So
0: that's yeah. a huge indicator. I uh one of my indicators when I am feeling healthy is is my body in pain, first and foremost, because I am a very slenderly built person.
2: Me too. <laughs>
0: but my body when it hurts. I know, doesn't matter how small I am or how big I am, if my body hurts, I know that it needs support. Mm -hmm. I know that it needs stability. I know that it needs strength and alignment. If my gut is stagnated, if I haven't had a proper bowel movement, if I'm not urinating properly, if I'm not, if my mental capacity is fogged up, I'm not healthy. No. And so it doesn't matter what the outside of your body looks like if you physically feel off. And so it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's that method of, I love people when they say, you know, like I, I'm all for, yeah, I want to work out to look good naked, but who decides what me looking good naked looks like me. Mm-hmm. If I base that off of societal standards, I'm not promoting wellness in myself. I'm promoting body dysmorphia.
1: Yes. And that's something a lot of people struggle with behind closed doors.
0: A lot of fitness trainers oh, yeah. heavily struggle with body dysmorphia. Even when I got,
1: even when I got in the industry, because I've only been in the industry like, what, nine months? So Mm
2: -hmm.
1: I was like, damn, especially when COVID hit. I was like, damn, where my abs go? Why i am looking like this? Why am Mm -hmm. I, I think I gained a little weight. Maybe I need to, maybe I need to run. Maybe I need to do this. And it was Mm -hmm. like taking a step back and looking. It's like, damn, bro, like you good. You know what I'm saying? Like things Mm -hmm. happen. Your body, your body weight fluctuates. The way you look fluctuates. Like you're not going to look how you did six months ago tomorrow exactly or whatever exactly. You know what so you gotta you gotta be comfortable in your skin and be comfortable with who you are because you can't do you can't not be comfortable with yourself and try to tell somebody else to do so because that's bullshit
0: because you're also just going to project project your insecurities onto them while you're training them exactly and then you're not helping anybody you're just promoting your own insecurities growing in somebody else
1: Exactly. Then y'all all fucked up. You and all your all, <laughs> all your 15 clients, all y'all fucked up. Y'all, oh, y'all may look good. Oh, you got you 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 smashed your, your physical goals, but mentally, mm-hmm. you're 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 out of it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. That, I'm and I'm glad that you said that about you know just being mentally aware of of who you are, what you want to accomplish, and absolutely how wellness fits into your life and what what you want your life to be comes A lot of it comes through wellness.
0: Absolutely. And wellness can't just be a singular niche. If you're working out, if you only have room in your schedule, because let's also be honest, everyone's living in survival mode right now. Mm -hmm. Whether people want to acknowledge it or not, a global pandemic is still happening. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, we're not getting the support we need to really persevere through this, especially in the United States. So if you're still working a nine to five, And then you have to go do all of your adult responsibilities. If the most you have the room to do in your life is get outside and go for a 30 minute walk and use that as time to move your body to do a walking meditation, and then you have to come home and cook dinner and go to bed, you're fine. If that's all you have room for, and that's you taking care of yourself at this point, because we are in survival mode right now, that's fine. Don't beat yourself up. Take care of yourself to the best of your ability. Because when you sit there and go, well, I should be working out and I should be doing this and I should be doing that. You're shaming yourself. So now your mental's unwell. Mm -hmm. So now every time that you go into the gym, it's not about taking care of yourself. It's about checking off a box and you're doing more stress than you are actually taking care of yourself.
2: Exactly.
0: And then because you're not getting any actual joy or you're not playing or you're not having fun or you're not being there, right? You're not being present while you're doing it. It's not going to stick. You're, you're going to not have that as a habit in your lifestyle. Yep. So do it's what you, fun you fun. can.
1: Do what you can and be, like you said, and be intentional about what you're doing. Like,
0: mm-hmm.
1: don't try to go all out of the way if you know you're not physically capable of doing that at that exact moment. Like, take mm-hmm. it in steps. And, you know, a lot of people, because a lot of people want to go all out as soon as they start. And that's like your body won't allow you to do that because it's, right. it's not used to doing these movements. It's not used to doing three sets of 10 on bench press. It's, right. not, it's not used to running 10 minutes on the, on the treadmill. It's not used to being doing doing twenty bicep curls. It's just not used to it. So in order to make it used to it, you have to gradually go into it.
0: Mhm. Mhm. Like that. That biggest piece of it, as well too, is if your body isn't, if your body is telling you that it it can't do it, listen. That mm-hmm. includes rest. Mhm. We demonize people for taking time to rest. We say that they're being lazy, that they're undisciplined. Why when your body is going, when your mind is going all the time, be busy, be this, be this, work, do this. If your body is screaming at you to rest, then rest. That is a part of taking care of yourself. And then two, I'll give you an example. An athlete that I know that's been in the league for six years. Uh, defensive player, super compressive. You know, he for years was, let's get under huge heavy weights in the off season. Let's go through these explosive plyometrics under compression. Yeah, absolutely. There's a certain amount of weightlifting and strength and resistance training that you need to do to keep a certain amount of mass to keep your body protected. Mm -hmm. However, this last off season, he switched up what he did because he said, my body is angry and I'm tired of it being banged up. All he did this past off season really was his own body weight under resisted bands and position training and Pilates to decompress his body and did low impact training and is now in the best shape of his life and at the peak of his career.
2: And sometimes that's because, what it takes.
0: Because your body asks you for something different. So listen. Yeah. Yeah. Your body will tell you what you need. So, when you are decon, or when you're conditioned to dissociate from your body and not listen to your body, of course, your body's gonna constantly be having issues and problems. You're not talking to it. Your mind is not connected to your body anymore. So, once mm-hmm. you increase that mind body connection, health is there.
1: And it'll always be there if you continue to do that um Mm -hmm. i think this is a great stopping point for us Uh, (laughs) i think we had a really good conversation and we we've spread the wealth to people who probably had a lot of questions a lot of these same questions or you know wanted to wanted someone to ask and so if y'all are listening to this podcast or if y'all are gonna listen to this podcast like we hope that we can answer all those questions for you Absolutely. Um, if you want to shout out any of your social media or anything like that you definitely can
0: Yeah, go ahead and follow me on my Instagram page. It is lemon underscore underscore yoga. Again, I am a intentional and functional mobility coach, a yoga teacher, educator, and an Ayurvedic wellness coach, as well as a soon to be this is loading uh, neuropsychologist. So thank you, Tyler, so much for the time and giving me the space to speak to the people about what I know.
1: No problem at all. I appreciate you for taking the time out to come on the show. Uh, I love health professionals, um, fitness professionals, just getting in and was just having those conversations. I'm pretty soon. Su- I'm pretty sure we'll be in touch soon. So uh, enjoy, absolutely. Enjoy the rest of your day.
0: Absolutely. See you next time. All right.